The 100% Wild Podcast is brought to you by Onyx Hunt, the nation's number one GPS hunting app. Download today in the Google Play and App Store. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Drury Outdoors 100% Wild Podcast. I'm Tim Chelsvik. That's Matt Drury. What's up? What's up? We got a special guest in studio today. That's right. We got the madman, Mark Drury. How are we doing, guys? Good. Good. Good to see y'all. It's a lot of excitement around the studio. We've seen a lot of Mark more than we're accustomed to the last couple months. So it's it's about ready for deer season to start. <laughs> we won't. Are see you him about again. ready for deer season to start? Is that really what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, so I think the editors are ready for deer season to start. So you know, it was good reason though. He's been very hands on, hands on with the Deercast track feature inside Deercast. It's pretty awesome. I know one thing. There's four editors inside this building that when I shoot a deer this year, I'm going to send them the hit and go, what do I need to do? <laughs> because <laughs> they experts. are they are the best trackers in the country right now. That's those right. four guys. We, we've spent so much time obsessing over the exact location of where organs are yeah. and where hits are. I mean, we really parsed this because it's important. It is. And it's, it's the matter of you finding your deer or not. And it's the little mistakes that all of us have probably made through the, our, our own hunting history of, of tracking deer. And here you go. You got, you know, four guys, Mark, Terry, Bobby Culbertson head guide down at Terra Wildlife mm-hmm. in Mississippi. And then uh, tracker John Engelkin, who's helped us track numerous deer. And those are our go-to guys when we have problems. Well, between the four, how many deer have you guys tracked? You know, we tried to add it up one day when we were adding. And of course, the lion's share of these came through Tracker John or Bobby because sure. they do it every day, yeah. all day. They were both over 2,000 in their yeah. estimation and probably between Terry and I combined, maybe another thousand. So, you know, 5,000 white-tailed deer That's over the last 40 years or yeah. so. So it's it's a lot of tracking experience and uh, hopefully we help a lot of people find their, find their deer. That's right. What is your phrase an inch will cost you a mile inch cost you a mile and a second can cost you a mile as well if you don't take that extra second to aim and you hit off you know yeah. that could cost you a mile mm. as well so yeah so we're excited about it obviously it's been a big project for us internally there's a lot of blood sweat and tears into it but ultimately i think it will help a lot of people i've been saying it from the get-go we have deer cast this this tool well the mm. algorithm helps you get on your deer, hopefully helps you try to understand when they're moving and and what tips or tactics to get on them. Well, track will help you recover them, hopefully, if you do have success. So it's it's front to finish, front to back, we got you covered. And all the tips, all the articles, all the stuff you can get inside the app in general is unbelievable. So we're excited. It's launched. It's out there at DeerCast.com. You can sign up already. Not to mention an hourly look at a full 10-day forecast. Like it goes hour by hour for 10 full days. Very Watch those granular. trends happen. Not to mention the DeerCast Custom, where you can customize our algorithm to your hunting locations. Yeah. You know the thing, and not to mention 400 articles that are already in there. There's yeah. new articles going up every day, so it is absolutely loaded to the gills with content. It is, and and the cool thing about it, like we we try to uh, make sure that the content that goes in it is very high end. Oh, so yeah. it's mm-hmm. not just anything going in there, especially in the main feed, and it's 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 social media for hunters. It's not, you know, your, your wife's friends, you know, why did you have to kill that deer? What did that deer ever do to you? You It's, it's none of that. It's all, we were all friends here, you know, 500,000 friends, if you can have such a thing. And so that's the beauty of it. And what we're here today talking about, we're going to introduce something pretty cool. And a couple of guests here in a second, that is going to take that to another level and bringing curated quality content. And these are probably 
two of the best at it in our industry. The best. Yeah. We're finally going to get higher quality than ours in there. And that's what I'm excited about. Yeah, that's you know? right. When you want the best, you go to the best. That's right. Yeah. So we got Pat and Nicole from Driven joining us live in uh, in uh, Skype land. So that's thanks right. for joining us, guys. What's Hi, guys. Hey, guys. Nice to be here. <laughs> we're, yeah, we're excited to finally join the Dury big deer team. That's right. <laughs> well, you guys, you know, you, you, for obviously Pat's been doing this for a long, long time. We're not going to say his age, but he's old like Mark and Terry. And, and you know, you guys go way back, don't you? Long way, long way back. And we've been friends for a long time. And I think uh, a lot of admiration from myself and Terry and everybody here at the Drury Crew for the things that they do on an annual basis. And they really make me feel good about being a hunter. They make me yeah. proud to be a hunter when I watch how they present hunting. I mean, I, yeah. I don't think anybody presents it in a more classy fashion than than you guys do. And, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart. You guys are class acts and we really appreciate your friendship and what you've done for the industry. Well, thank you. Well, you guys as well. We're yeah, super we, excited to be teaming up with you guys. It's going to be a home run for sure. We can't wait. We feel uh, super honored to be a part of, of this new DeerCast stuff. Um, you know, we've been big fans of it already, watching it develop and um, you guys taking it to a whole new level now. Uh, I I mean, it's a game changer in our world dealing with digital media and, you know, how TV is evolving and now the digital world. So um, we're excited. We couldn't be um, more pumped to get into deer season and start providing you guys some quality content. Right. So you guys, you know, obviously I think a lot of people, if they watch your TV shows, they see you take these huge, you know, big game adventures and, and really show epic adventures in the most beautiful scenery, the most epic ways. But, you know, Pat, you have a real long back history and background in whitetail hunting. Take us through, you know, when did you guys, Mark, Terry, Pat, when did you guys first kind of meet each other or encounter each other? Oh, boy, that's goes back. really going to date yourselves here. <laughs> it was, it was at a bar. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that we can definitely up. determine that. <laughs> I don't remember which one, for, but for I'm certain it was over a beer. That don't know, if you go to a trade show, you'll find Terry, Pat, and Mark at the hotel bar till it closes every time <laughs> if they were going to hunt us mark they could set up right there in the pinch point leading into the barn get us every time <laughs> at the watering hole first day first evening dead yeah right. all three of us yeah the other two wouldn't even run off <laughs> i gotta think back but i i can tell you i i probably was in the hunter special these days i'm, think, I'm yeah. assuming yeah, the early 90s. Yeah, the, you know, the mid 90s is probably when I first met you um, working for Hunter Specialties when I first started there as a pro staffer and a camera guy. And, you know, of course, I had watched the early, uh, your early VHS videos and was a big fan of that. And just to be um, rubbing elbows with guys like you and Bob Fulcrods of the world. And, you know, even back when, uh, like Paul Butsky and Ray I and all those turkey caller guys, you you guys were dominating the calling world uh, back then. You know, even being a turkey hunter, just completely in awe looking up to what you guys did and, and you know, the accomplishments you guys gained. It was pretty amazing. But then to become friends with you and uh, know that you guys are really the real deal um, and there's a lot of people in our industry we're friends with and we really have a lot of respect for. That's the cool part about it, um, that the people that have survived 
you know, all these years are truly great hunters and uh, authentic in so many ways. And, you know, I, I respect everyone you know, for that purpose. But you guys, you know, the reason why Nicole and I, and we talk about this all the time, the reason why we have to do big game is because we cannot simply keep up to you guys in the big deer world. We cannot <laughs> kill that many big deer. You guys are dominating that. So we had to go start climbing mountains because you guys <laughs> dominate the deer sites. So that's why we do big game adventure. But no, we, we like the big game stuff and uh, we're pumped to bring some of that to the deer casters. That, we're excited yeah, about we're excited it about it, you know, because on Tuesday nights for so long on the Outdoor Channel, you could see, you know, Pat, Nicole and Driven at right into 13. And so yeah. that's always been a really cool. Honestly, I feel like we've been partners before we were actually joining forces on this project. But, yeah. you know, with Mossy Oak and some of our longtime partners, we're we're around each other a lot in certain ways. And so here's a chance for us to take maybe what you guys do so well in that big game world and the whitetail world and share it with, you know, half a million hunters inside DeerCast. We're really excited about what you guys are bringing to the table. Big time, man. It's it, I'm jacked over this whole project. It's going to be so much fun. And it's so great oh. that you guys are the ones climbing the mountains and we're not. <laughs> That's really what I'm most I was going to say, I'm, we're leaving, I'll be moose hunting this year and I don't know how this deer track system works, but I'm going to be sending you a pic, you know, imagery of uh, where I hit this moose and seeing if that stuff applies to the, to the big game. Just enlarge our deer. It should work pretty much. Right. So, right. so what but, can uh, we expect no, from you fun. guys this year with, with your adventures? What was that? Sorry, I Matt. Said, so what can we expect with you guys this year and your adventures? Where, where are you going to be taking our, our viewers inside DeerCast? It's funny because I just numbered. I'm like, oh, did you realize, honey, you're only going to be home? I think you're going to sleep in your own bed two nights in the month of September oh. and three nights the month of October. And <laughs> But that's what we do, right? Yeah. I mean, we travel and that's how it goes. So we're kicking our season off here in about a week and a half, two weeks. We're headed to Northwest Territories, back to the McKenzie Mountains to some kick butt territory, you know, some kick butt terrain. And um, we're going to be doll sheep hunting and mountain caribou hunting again. And then we're home literally for a day and we head to Kentucky for elk and then home for a day and head to the Yukon for moose hunting. <sighs> and um, all the while, while we're gone, our Minnesota archery season kicks off mid-September here. So the kids, I'm sure, will already have all of our big deer on the ground before we get home. <laughs> That's normally how it works, right? It's <laughs> a pretty good plan for them. <laughs> yeah, no yeah. kidding. That's my kind of plan. <laughs> where is your favorite location? When you when you think about an upcoming season, where is that one spot that you, you just couldn't bear missing each year or can't wait to go back to, I should say? Well, I, I don't know about Nicole, but... One of the, I, I never thought I'd be a sheep hunter. Of course, my, my physique is not really, I'm not in sheep shape, you know? Um, so thanks to you, Mark. Um, but, uh, no, you know, I love sheep hunting. It's really kind of, you know, a thing that's, I've really all of a sudden mm -hmm. decided to, you know, try to pursue more sheep hunts and, well, I can't when I can still climb the mountains, but um, those mountains, when you step on those mountains that they're so physical and so demanding and even mentally, they they can just swallow you up. Um, 
there, but the, when you get to the top of them and you look around, I mean, you feel like you're one of the only people that have ever stepped mm-hmm. on the top of them and, and, uh, to hunt the animals that live in them and in respect, just what they go through to survive those, that kind of, um, elements and stuff through the winters that they endure it, you just have a whole new respect for nature and in the animals that you're chasing for sure and um but you know if i had to pick one i'd say definitely hunting moose in the yukon uh would be my number one because you're calling to an animal that's two thousand pounds and he and they're just you know so they got such large antlers and, and getting them within bow range. I mean, your heart just pounds out of your chest. That'd be not my number mm-hmm. one. And I don't know for me, it's, it's difficult, you know, right. We mix our season in with a lot of different species and all that stuff. But for me, there's nothing like being at home and hunting your own piece of property that you've put so much blood, sweat and tears into, you know, over all the season and then finally getting able the opportunity to harvest that one white tail that you've had your, you know, focus on and all that. And especially being able to be at home here with the kids and hunting with them. But just like Pat said, I mean, there's nothing like either stepping on the mountains and hunting these different species of animals that you get to, there's a whole different sense of accomplishment there too, you know? So that's kind of mix it all in together, right? Got to have a little bit of everything. Absolutely. So there's your Southern Illinois roots coming out, you know, whitetail hunter. That's right. Pat, back to that sheep shape. Um, I do have a question for you. Are you training for these upcoming hunts or what do you do to to get ready for these? (laughs) Not, not really, Mark. You (laughs) want me to tell you the truth? Thank you. Stop laughing. Um, We do it. We do a little bit of training bit with five children and everything to get done around our place. It just, our time just gets swallowed up and we're of course in production mode right now, just like you guys are. So, you know, we don't have a lot of time to do that, nor do I really have the drive to do that. I'm (laughs) driven to hunt, not to work out. So, um, uh, no, I mean, we, we're walking right now at night with packs that got 50, 60 pounds in and we'll increase that weight to 70, 75 pounds. So you are just try to get your, your legs in shape and we climb. I mean, we live in the bluffs here, so we got some pretty steep hills. It doesn't represent the the McKinsey mountains. I don't know if you guys have ever been there. They're the, probably some of the steepest, most jagged mountains in the, in the world. And, uh, the, the critters that live there, I mean, they're there for a reason. So, um, they're not easy. And when you step onto them, you, I don't care if you're a guy that works out every day and you're like Cameron Hayes, uh, that, that is in complete perfect shape. It still will kick your butt. And even some of the guys that have in the best of shape, you know, they can't make it through. So it's a mental game too. And that's where you got to really persevere is just keep going, keep pushing yourself and know your limitations and that's what we do i mean we get up there and uh, we've killed nicole shot a big ram last year um on the third day of the hunt Mm -hmm. and then i've hunted a lot i've hunted bighorn i've hunted dolls several times and i've killed two of them but um i'm going after a big one that we've seen the last couple years this time um i got a lot of respect for bull hunters that hunt these things i don't know how they do it like a guy like lee or uh levi morgan those guys are bull hunters and they shoot sheep i i fall apart i get buck fever bad when it comes to sheep (laughs) 
that's awesome. I'm so anxious to see some of that stuff uh, within DeerCast, and I think the fans within DeerCast are going to really appreciate that. Yeah. You know? So, so on that topic, what are some of the things that our, our fans in there can expect to see from you guys this fall, this season? Well, you know, a lot. The thing about this big game stuff that we're going to provide for content wise is just it could be a cool clip of an animal that normally people are just they're no if they don't see it in the Midwest or wherever they're living because and they dream about maybe going on that hunt mm-hmm. but bringing back that quality uh, clip of the animal or a kill scene or um, something that's unique that you might find out there on our travels, maybe it's a, you know, two moose locked together or something like that. You know, you just never know what you're going to come across when you're in these environments. So, um, you know, bringing that kind of stuff back to the deer casters is what is going to be so cool because, you know, they might get to be around deer a lot, but they've always dreamed about going on a, on a moose hunt, but just, for some one reason or another, couldn't do it. And uh, now they can kind of live a little bit vicariously through um, what we're showing them. So um, that'll be the cool part about it. I mean, we're doing elk and, and a lot of other big game stuff as well. Um, we do a lot of bear hunts, either brown bear, grizzly or, or black bear. So there's just a variety of big game adventure stuff. And then, uh, of course, we'll bring some of our our northern Midwest whitetail mm-hmm. stuff to the table as well, because we hunt a lot. You guys know in Canada, uh, Saskatchewan, Alberta for whitetails and, and, of course, Minnesota here, you know, a lot of northern stuff. Nice. That's going to be exciting. I can't wait to see it this fall. That's right. I, I kind of feel like DeerCast is a university. And with Pat and Nicole coming in, we're adding a whole new department yeah, of he- heavy, hitters, heavy, heavy hitter professors yeah. coming in and expanding our audience's horizons. I'm excited. You know, and when we first thought DeerCast up, you know, three years ago or whenever it was, this is kind of big picture. I mean, this is kind of what we had in, in mind down the road. The three to five year plan is it'd be great if one day it becomes a social media hub for our people in our industry and, and they can come in there and post just like we're posting. And and it becomes a one stop shop for kind of everybody. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. This is a big step for us. Yeah. You know, uh, it's it's an honor, really, to have mm-hmm. you guys in there and to see what you guys are going to bring to to the table this fall. And I know for sure that the Deercasters are going to embrace them, you know, because oh, yeah. totally. there's a lot of love out there for you guys. So it'll be fun to see that develop. Well, I, thank you. Well, we appreciate it. And I, you know, I think that this is going to be I mean, you guys have already laid the foundation to something mm-hmm. that's so cool because we all know and discuss the the aspects of outside platforms that don't embrace hunting and and hunters because you know they have a different agenda um you guys are are authentic it's it's pure because um you believe in it and it cannot be a post cannot be taken down because you might be offending somebody in the non-hunting sector so you know that's where I think that this thing is going to grow out of control is because it is authentic and it is for the right people out there that are going to gain them eyeballs. And that's why we're all in on this deal. I mean, it's, it's going to be cool. We look forward to it. Yeah. 
in, in, in our previous conversations, we were talking about how we were going to have to just logistically figure out how to get media from these guys because yeah. they're in such remote locations. Right. Like there's no <laughs> cell service around. So yeah. it may be once they get back into civilization that we get updates. Or- yeah. I'm really interested to see how the, the early season goes. Cause that's when you guys are on, you know, like, like you said, August, September is when you're on your big, big hunts that are usually in places that you probably don't get great re- reception. So it'll be interesting to see how we take people along on the ride, but um, the, the beauty of it is, you know, we, we kind of got a plan there. We got a plan mm-hmm. in place. And I think no matter where they're at, we got, we got like, there's an app for that. There's a way we can get that content yeah. somehow, some way. And, and the folks can interact with you guys. I mean, Pat and Nicole will be, they'll be able to see the comments and yeah. be able to interact and comment back to people. And so you, so our deer cashers can ask them questions and follow-ups and that's right. It's it, it, it. There's nothing like when hunters come together, and and we all have our own kind of media channels. But with Deercast, we're we're unifying. We're bringing more folks together. We, we just we need to have a united voice. I think this is another great step in that direction. And the thing that I noticed about Deercasters last year, you know, when we got into the peak season, mid October through mid December, and there was so much commenting going on, it was 99 percent positive, yeah. which I really uh-huh. love because if you go to social media, certain channels, I mean it can be 50, 60% negative. Facebook. (laughs) Not to mention any names, but you know, just people, they had a different attitude while they were there and they were very respectful. And that's what I'm used to out of our hunting community. I'm I'm not used to some of the stuff I read on social media. I I think it's a poor representation of who we are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's more like a representation of where our, you know, where our society is than where our hunting community is. Yeah. It's a cross section of, our current culture so for sure well we're looking forward to it you know i will you know before we get too far along one of the things that with our podcast that we love to do is get a question of the day from our viewers at home and so you know we were kind of starting to dive into the whitetail stuff there it's probably a good jumping off point yeah uh, for yeah. the question of the day uh, our uh, listener bob has a question i think bob is from michigan yeah so the question of the day is brought to you by lacrosse lacrosse's new navigator series and the world is a raw, rugged, and relentless place. Navigate it accordingly. What's going on, guys? Bob Miller hitting you up from Bay City, Michigan. My question is regarding calling deer, calling bucks. Um, you guys think it's a good practice to do? Do you guys do it? Uh, me personally, I don't think it is, and maybe you guys can change my mind. Uh, just kind of curious what you guys' thoughts are, what you guys do. You guys have a great podcast. Keep it up. Rock on. So, call bucks. Real or no? Should you shoot them or not? What Pat, you, Nicole, what do you guys? Yeah, think? what do you guys do in your place? Well, I got so many kids that I usually put the kids on the call box. <laughs> um, no, I mean that's what my dad does. <laughs> we, yeah, call buck, call buck is different in in everybody's view. I mean, you know, up here uh, we're not managing deer probably as well as you guys do. Um, we we have some bucks that our call bucks really become the those bully bucks that are running all our good potential younger deer off and they become kind of our call deer that we want to get rid of we're mm-hmm. we're not calling because they might have short brow tines or shorter g2s at this point or eight pointers we we're aiming kind of for for maturity that um in in good genetics uh that's kind of what we fo- focus in on but uh, if we got a bully buck that we need to call out you know, no matter if he's three and a half years old 
or four or whatever. Uh, we'll try to, you know, take notice of that and put a, a hit on him and try to get him out of there before he ends up uh, running deer that we want to keep on that property off. So that's kind of our answer. Mm-hmm. I think that's a solid answer. I think it makes sense. You know, you really, you certainly don't want to call any sooner than the age of four and a half, in mm-hmm. my opinion. You know, if you're calling a year and a half, two and a half, three and a half, you're making a mistake because they don't really express their genetic potential till they're four or older. Yeah. You, know, you really see what they are. Additionally, you never know when something's bugging that deer. And, and more than likely, a lot of them get a wound and therefore it takes them a year or two to get over that wound. Or perhaps they got nipped by EHD, but didn't die from the disease that can set them back a year or two or just little infections bug them and they don't they don't do well the next year winter can you know be worrisome for them uh you know if your buck to doe ratio is out of check and he wore himself out during the rut he's not going to be able to express his true potential so in lieu of culling bucks and concentrating on them we try to focus on our doe population to make sure that we have a correct balance within the herd and then let those bucks you know be as healthy as they can make sure they've got you know the right nutrition the right water the right Mm -hmm. cover reduce social stress, reduce human intrusion, all of those things. And um, one thing's for sure, their antlers may vary, but their mind and their processes don't. In other words, a five and a half year old deer that is in someone's terminology a call versus a five and a half year old deer that scores 170 they're thinking the same thing you know and th- and that yeah. that so-called call may be a little bit more street smart than that that big old boy just because he had a tougher life you know mm. because of the rack that he's wearing so it, any buck when they're mature is a trophy so i i did generally I don't like the term calls because mm-hmm. where we're from in the Midwest, and I'm sure it's the same way there in, in Minnesota, Pat, by the time a deer gets four and a half or five and a half, he's got that look, that look of maturity. And they're all desirable, man. I mean, when you see that look, regardless of what's on his head, that's a target deer. And it's one that you, you're proud to shoot and proud to hunt. And they're tough by the time they get to that age. Sure. So, so what's the ratio that you guys all like to see from a buck to doe standpoint. I was asked this yesterday, actually. I mean, you know, you hear they're born one to one, but what's realistically, what's the ratio you like to keep your doe to buck population? I would say two to one or three to one is, yeah. is the most realistic mm-hmm. you could ever expect. When you start getting to where it's four or five does to every buck, you're probably in a, in a troubled situation in that, you know, a little, a lot of social stress there and a lot of rut stress. So I like two to one. If I can get that, I'm, I'm feeling like I'm, I'm winning the battle. Okay. How about you guys? Yeah, I would say three to one. So up here, maybe four to one. Um, but, uh, you know, when we're talking about culling a particular deer, and Mark, you made uh, um, mention to the fact that taking them out at three and a half, you can't determine that. And we had a buck that Nicole uh, was a prime example. Uh, he was a four and a half year old deer. As a three and a half, he was really had a perfect rack, and we called him Mr. Perfect actually because his so mm-hmm. his rack was so symmetrical. As a four and a half year old, something happened to him that he just grew kind of a stump on one side and kind of you know had a really perfect. The other side was nice, but the uh, the one side was just deformed and and uh, it didn't look like a break or anything. He just grew it that way and. Some people at that point might say, you know what, I got to get that deer out of there, especially if they didn't know what he was early on and say, I, you know, because he became a breeder at that point at, at, at four and a half. And some people might have made that judgment. We gave him a pass and said, you know what, we got to see what this deer turns into the following year. And then as a five and a half year old, he grew. Loaded, yeah, yeah he, he got bigger and he threw 
you know, instead of throwing that kind of deformed one side, he grew a perfect side on the other, other, uh, mm-hmm. you know, non-typical side. So Nicole ended up shooting them as a five and a half year old and of course, fully mature. Mm. Nice. Yeah. Great per- story. Per- yeah. Perfect example. Yeah. It is. I mean, they're just like that. You never know what's eaten at that deer. You never know what happened to it. Yeah. You know, there might be just something from a health standpoint that's holding him back a little mm-hmm. bit, you know? Now, once they get to that four or five year old kind of range and you talk about, you could tell their maturity and if they, they got a, is there a size of rack, you know, that it's like, okay, well maybe, you know, maybe I, I, you know, I have a grandson or I have a, this or that, this would be a perfect deer for, you know, for them to take. Is that, do you have that mentality then at at some point? Mm, Like I said, the deer we're used to hunting both in Northern Missouri and Southern Iowa, by the time they get there, they're all pretty, pretty appealing in all honesty. I mean, when a deer gets mature and that body's fully, fully developed, that rack follows. And very seldom is there a deer that I look at and go, wow, he's just really genetically Mm -hmm. inferior. Most of them look pretty appealing to any hunter. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I wonder if, if guys don't call bucks, call bucks just because they wanted to shoot something with a rack on it. And it was and, a young deer. Oh, I've seen like, it so oh, many yeah, times. I just wanted to, to get this guy out of the herd. Yeah. Like, or well, you just could not shoot him. Or they'll shoot a two-year-old and go, he's over the hill. He's going downhill. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. That sounds like my wife. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> She's saying that about you. You're going downhill. Right. That's exactly right, Matt. Spot on. Pat's a trophy. She likes maturity, Matt. Pat's she a got trophy it. husband. No doubt. That's right, Mark. Yeah, man. Tracy and and Nicole really lucked out by getting us, didn't they? Yeah. What, Not nearly as much as Willa did, yeah. though. <laughs> So That's poor Willow. Yeah, exactly. So what, what do you guys, I mean, do you have certain deer that you kind of already, uh, have you pulled your car first car ground yet? Have you seen, you know, first set of pictures and do you have the deer that you're kind of hoping that would be there this year? Yeah. Um, we do, uh, interesting, we're not telling, no. interestingly <laughs> enough. I mean, we have, we're, we have three farms up here and, uh, one of the farms last year, we shot both of the top end mature deer off of and we killed another one that was a decent deer for sure so that farm has got a lot of young deer on it we know we're not really gonna target that unless we get a drifter that comes in and it's just a bonus deer but uh there's one of the other farms that we did not hunt much um has a lot of potential and uh, several mature deer on it and a couple of really nice uh more non-typical so we're excited about putting a little more emphasis on that farm than uh the uh the one that we pressured last year so we're just kind of rotating our farms but yeah excited to we had a good growth here up here we're talking um you know we've had a lot of rainfall unlike what you guys get down there our our, our food and uh, all our agriculture is just unbelievable. Good yields coming on and uh, the deer look really impressive so far. Awesome. Nicole, how do you balance all of this with also your your primary job, which is being a mother? I mean, how does all that come together for you? I mean, that has to be very challenging. 
It is, you know, and our little guy starts preschool this year. So, I mean, I'm actually chartering a special plane to come in to get me from NWT and I'm coming home six days early so I don't miss his first day of preschool. You know, so it's it's all about balance. Um, he also knows that that's what mom and dad do for a living and for a job. And, you know, as before school in the previous years, he was able to travel with us and all that stuff. And he'll still travel a little bit with us here and there. Um, you know, what we say is being able to raise our kids kids in the outdoors and giving them the same foundation that our parents gave us. Um, you know, we're just hoping in the long run, it will pay off for the type of stewards of land that they'll be and the people that they'll be, you know, nowadays, I hate to say it, but Matt, you kind of alluded to it earlier. Um, our society is in trouble and, um, in order to, I think, change that, I'm telling you what the foundation I had of being an outdoors girl and you did it with Taylor, you know, I mean, living and breathing and raising those kids in the outdoors from infancy is so important. And being able to do that with all five of our kids has been huge. And like I said, they all understand and embrace that that's what we do for a living now. And of course they're jealous because they have to go to school and can't go on all the trips and things. But this year we're doing, you know, of course we have quite a few different trips with the kids. Um, and then we'll be at home here too, filming with them. So it is, it's a, it's definitely a balance. And my mom and dad have been blessings. They're both retired now. So they're actually watching cashed in quite a bit and stuff. They'll be pretty much living in Minnesota quite a bit this fall while we travel and things. Um, but you know, it's just part of it. That's what they, you know, have kind of grown up with and they know that that's what we do and they're blessed sometimes to get to go on trips with us and things like that. So yeah, it's, it's all a balance. You guys know, you all have families yourselves and you know, you just make it work. Well, bravo for your statement there about that foundation. That was well stated. Yeah. Mark and Terry's approach was slightly different. They just left. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you in January, kid. <laughs> you know, what's, what's interesting to me and I'm sure some people know the backstory, but since I've known, you know, Mark and Terry so long, and then Matt, when I first got to know you, you weren't into the hunting scene as much. I mean, you didn't, you know, I don't know if it's just because you were in college and busy doing other stuff, but you, you kind of groomed into this and now, you know, have taken on more hunting, uh, over the years and, and, you know, obviously have great mentors that have taught you, you know, how to be a great hunter, but, um, just seeing that progression is pretty cool. Yeah. I, I had to kind of fall back in love with it because when, when I was growing up is when they were starting the business and there was, I think a lot of pressure they put on themselves to everything was on camera. I've never hunted, literally have never hunted without a camera. Um, and I still haven't. So, and Taylor's the same way. And so growing up for me, that was the beginning of the company. It wasn't, it wasn't as glamorous per se. And it was, you know, the, the, it was little leases and not great spots and, you know, it was tough hunting. And we hunted four or five years before I ever had an opportunity to shoot anything, wow. gun, bow, uh, whatever. It was just tough. It was a lot harder. It was more, yeah. I think more indicative to what probably a lot of people uh, are accustomed to. It was a learning curve. And so once I finally did it, it was like, all right, I proved I can do it, but I'm, I'm going to take a few steps away and go enjoy doing what I want to do for a while. And I did that, you know, in college and, and then where it came, it, it came full circle was the values that they taught me. It, 
it was also the skill set that they were teaching me that I didn't know I was learning. It was mm -hmm. how to do EDLs, edit decision lists. It was how to, you know, the production side of it. I, hell, I was around them all the time during that part growing up. Of course, that was, those were impressions that were happening that I didn't even know were happening. Mm -hmm. And so when I went to college and I always had kind of an artsy background, I think that comes from my mother more so than than Terry, but it, you know, that my background was going in trying to figure out what I wanted to do, like all college kids. And, and it was kind of like, I stumbled up, up upon the production side and it's like, all right, so I'll do this. It's an elective in my, you know, what I need to do. So I'll just try it. And at that point it's like, Oh man, I actually excel at this compared to the rest of the kids I had. I had experience that I didn't even know I had. And right. uh, that just, you know, I started interning for these guys and it set me down the path that I had a chance to fall back in love with hunting. And ultimately that's what happened. And it took a while. It was, a, there was an arc there, but, but I'm so thankful that it did because some of my favorite moments in my last, you know, 15 years, 10 years, specifically 10 years have been in the outdoors and, and, and that connection that you get out there. And I wouldn't have had it. I wouldn't have, I, I think I would have had a hard time going back to it on my own without that kind of, you know, that kind of introduction through the company. Well, I think my favorite as a mother and a female is now to see you getting your kids involved in the outdoors. Yeah. You know, that is the most awesome part. Just like I said before, it's all about that foundation and laying that for the kids and now being able to see them out there and just their smiles on their face when they're out there with you. It says it all, you know, and it's really awesome that Mark and Terry gave you that foundation. And just because you stepped away doesn't mean anything, right? Um, you yeah. know, you, you didn't know it that you had that solid foundation, yeah. you know, until you get older and, and look at you now, you know, you're raising your kids in the outdoors and giving them the exact same thing. And it's almost a sense of duty. I feel to our heritage in general, not just because of what we do for a living, but just knowing those, you look at those hunting, those the license sales and the numbers are dwindling and it's a yeah. scary thing. And if you don't, you know, and Tim's a big proponent of this with his young children. If you don't do it, there is no one else going to introduce them to those things outdoors. And we both right. live in more or less in suburb in the suburb yeah. of St. Louis. And, and you don't have a lot of opportunities unless you make the effort. And so it's all about making the effort. Yeah, my wife and I were just talking last night about how my daughter is never more well-behaved than when she's out hunting with me. <laughs> so, so she's there, like, but there really is something to be said about there that. Is, there yeah, is. You know, no I mean, I remember trouncing around the woods with my dad when yeah. I was old enough to walk. I mean, there were never any females, any little girls ever in hunting camp with me. And my dad would come home. I have two older brothers and he'd come home and put me on his shoulders and we'd go blood trail a deer. I was barely even old enough to walk, but he'd take me out there with him. And, you know, and that's what my mom always said. She's like, you're, you're just so in love with the outdoors. You love being out there. And that's kudos to you, you know, for getting them out there and getting your daughter out there. There's a reason why she's well behaved, right? She yeah. loves it. Yeah. And, and you're doing real things with real consequences. Yeah. Absolutely. It's not on a phone. It's not on an iPad, a tablet. It's, it's your, yep. your sensory are different out there in the, you know, 
in the wilderness. It's a no taste question. of the real world. Yeah. yeah. So, but realistically, you know, you talked about not a lot of females in camp or any at that time, but you know, you and Tiffany and Vicky and, you know, there's certain women, uh, that candy, that candy Kiski, yeah, that definitely paved the way to make it to where Taylor's generation started becoming more than she became a voice for a, a, another generation, Eva, obviously. So Julie Cruder, yeah. there's, there's a lot of females out there that really helped make it okay to have females in camp. Like used to be not the case at all. You just didn't see oh, it often, yeah. whether it was an outfitter or whatever, those times have definitely changed. And all of those that you mentioned, and, and there's many more are such great representatives of mm-hmm. who we are, sure. our culture and what we do and what we believe in. And, you know, you're part of that group, Nicole, you guys represent us very, very well. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. It's nice to see, you know, it's nice to see the little girls and the, you know, just like Pat said, he used to go to trade shows back way back when, and it would be, if you did see a female little girl, she'd be kicking and screaming to come, you know, and now it's (laughs) almost, now it's almost 50, 50, you know, that we see of little girls coming up to the booth and, you know, saying hi and things like that. And I think that's absolutely phenomenal. That's exactly why I do what I do. You know, honestly, that's what drives my passion for the outdoors is to see those youngsters getting involved. And we get a lot of questions, you know, how do you get, how do you get your youngster started in, in introduced to the outdoors or, or your girlfriend or somebody that, you know, has never had that opportunity. And we always, it's a pretty simple answer. We always just tell them, Hey, provide them a quality, you know, Mm -hmm. experience and don't take them out there when it's cold and raining and they're just going to be miserable, you know, take them out there on a nicer day and, and, you know, show them an experience that is going to be memorable and that they're going to enjoy and maybe take in some of that nature and um, say, then they might pick it up a little bit easier and, and want to, you know, repeat the process. So, you know, just always try to make it uh, a great experience Mm -hmm. when you introduce that, that first timer. And snacks. (laughs) <laughs> Always the Absolutely. snacks. Absolutely. <laughs> I that, mean, we still don't go to the stand without snacks. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. And to to that point, I think it's always important to bring it full circle and make sure you enjoy that meal at the end of the day with the game Absolutely. that you harvest, whether it's yours or theirs. And that was something I always made sure Taylor was keenly aware of, that if we kill that yeah. deer, hey, we're going to go, we're going to field dress it now, then we're going to process it, then we're going to eat it, you yeah. know, and yeah. look at her now with the killing in the kitchen stuff she does yeah. like it. It definitely imprinted upon her and like most of their diet, her and Austin is wild game these days. So all of those impressions that you give them, you were talking about, that's as it lasts, it goes with you for a lifetime. So it's very important to make sure they understand the full circle. And she was, she had a set of stories the other day on Instagram and I sent her, I actually sent her a message. It's like, when can you come to the studio and And cook cook that stuff? It was unbelievable (laughs) because Austin's eating it all. I call him the consumer. That guy eats more than anybody I've ever met. Matt, man, he eats <laughs> killing the kitchen as soon as they come out. He eats it. Yeah, and you and Austin look similar body types. Yeah, pretty much the same same person. Oh no, that's a good thing. I'm uh, not commenting on that. I'll get in trouble. I told my wife that. I'm in shape because round technically is a shape. There you go. That's true. Well, <laughs> yeah. Austin and I have the same weight. And I told Tracy, I said, it's just packaged differently. I mean, it's just packaged differently. <laughs> That's diversity. That's good. Embrace yeah. the diversity. <laughs> well, well we, we, when, when, before we go on and, and we shut down shop here, when can we expect to see like the first post from you guys inside DeerCast? Like when will we start kind of seeing things trickle through? Uh, well, we're going to, 
pick things or start things off and, and kind of pick things up right away uh, on our first trip. And that's, uh, we leave on the 23rd of August mm-hmm. here. So fairly soon um, we'll kick things off. Uh, probably that, you know, on the start of that adventure. I think we have a, maybe a post or two coming before that though. You have a waterhole post coming and things. Yeah. We've been doing stuff here early season for white tails mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I've got some stuff that surrounds that that we'll also post up as well. But here, you know, the latter part of August for sure, we'll really yeah, start hitting out. it and start putting content up. Awesome. Sweet. I'm cool. so excited. For I it. am too. Thank you guys for doing this for all the deer casters out there and everybody that's listening right now. Make sure that you check out everything Pat and Nicole are doing out there on social media, whether it be Facebook or their TV shows, Instagram, Twitter, whatever it is. And certainly within Deercast. Yeah, they're a fun follow. You go to their Instagram board and it's very beautiful. Like it's all, it's all the most scenic picturesque, you know, that your content is very well curated. Yeah, it's classy. Yeah. Just yeah. like your show. So thank you very much. Appreciate it. Yeah. We appreciate the opportunity and we will not let you guys down or the deer casters. We know that. We know that. (laughs) Let's have some fun. Well, let's hop into the wildlife word. Oh, you guys are in for a real treat here. Tim's probably sick of me because every new guest we have on. One of the reasons why I'm sick of you. Yeah. (laughs) I always say, Oh, (laughs) look out, baby. This is going to be awesome. You guys are going to be excited. So Tim, take it away. Tell them what we're doing here. Yeah. So we're doing the wildlife word and we do it every week. It's a biological term or meteorological term that helps hunters better explain what's going on around them. Yeah. I showed a screenshot of it last night. I was going through some of our posts on, on social. I think it was on Facebook and a guy mentioned, he's like, Oh, I wonder if Tim, it was the, I think it was the meme of us sitting here on our phone. The guy goes, I bet Tim's thinking up a made up wildlife word. (laughs) (laughs) The fun fact, that guy is a turd. God, Tim. Yep. Do you know him? I do, yeah. Yeah, he's my buddy Chance. They run Devil's Backbone Outfitters down in Dora, Missouri. Well, that makes it less funny. So, so I can guarantee he is indeed. I was just hoping a, a viewer was slamming you. <laughs> Who is that guy? Anyways, so I can we get can rid of it. Hope. It'll happen at some point. Yeah. No doubt. Oh, it's happened. <laughs> but today, the this week's wildlife word is pedicle. Well, that one's an easy one. Mark, take it away. Well, no, this is for Pat and Nicole. <laughs> pedicle. Have you guys heard the term pedicle? First, spell it. No, it's not a spelling. Uh, no. First, no, he wouldn't have passed third grade if he had to spell it. So, let's just... <laughs> so I got a, a phone with spell check on it. <laughs> and that half the time doesn't work either. She, so. she was a teacher. Maybe she should spell it. <laughs> Talk text. Put her on the, the spot. Pedicle. Huh. Well, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of people know, you know. The, the pedicle term that I would think of is, you know, obviously the like the bases of the yeah, skull um, and uh, where the antlers attached to the skull. So that's, that's um, exactly it. it's pretty cool to like when you look at a, a shed off a moose antler or an elk to think of the size of the pedicle and and how they th- differ. That, that can that bone can grow that fast mm-hmm. in that short amount of time is amazing that 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 happens in in nature um i'm still always when i pick up a moose shed or an elk antler you know amazed by the weight and and how an animal can grow that in just a few short months it's amazing but uh i've seen just, some neat stuff with uh pedicles and and uh different shapes because i'm a shed hunting fanatic um love picking up shed antlers so you get all kinds of different shapes sometimes and unique parts of pedicles and and 
and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, one time, uh, just a short story on a pedicle. There was a a gentleman over here in Buffalo County, Wisconsin, that picked up a shed antler that somehow, some way, um, when he found the shed, there was a broadhead. Actually, it was an old like Zwicky type of broadhead in it. And the point was growing out of the the pedicle or out of the base of the shed. Uh-huh. Like you're, you're wondering, how did that happen? And the only thing that a guy could conclude is that somehow when the deer had been, had been shot after he'd shed his antlers the year before he'd been shot in, and you know, the, the pedicle and, and then the antler the following year grew around wow. that broadhead. And then he eventually shed that uh, broadhead or that antler off. And that, that broadhead was just sticking perfectly out. It's a pretty, wow. probably that's one crazy. of the coolest sheds I've ever Do seen. Do you have a picture of that? Yeah. Yeah. I can. Well, that's, you that's for sure. You that's should post that. I don't know if you've ever posted that. I'd love to that's see cool. that. Yeah. It's yeah. It's a really <laughs> rare occurrence because I mean, it just doesn't happen out there and to have a, antler grow around a broadhead and then it and then that naturally shed off and the the blade had kind of bent over a little bit you could tell it might have hung there for a little bit before they it cast the antler off but it was a cool it's a you know kind of a cool story on a pedicle that kind of shot is not in deer cast track just a heads up we don't have that it's not there we've seen some crappy shots through the years but that takes the cake we searched our full library of 30 years to find i mean we when this app when it's all finished right now, there's like 65 hits in deer cast track, but by say October one, there'll be 125 hits. So times three, 375 scenarios within deer cast track. And we were going through some of these hits and Terry's like, should we really put this out there? But we had to search 30 years to find 125 <laughs> different hits within the body of a white-tailed deer. And uh, it's pretty amazing at some of the shots that that we have had in our <laughs> library through the years. But if you shoot at enough deer, it's eventually it's going reality. to happen. It's reality. Yeah. Yeah. And we're not going to name names <clears throat> who shows up the most in deer cast track. But <laughs> <laughs> we may give them like a private oh, They word. may not be here on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well. I got some good content and Nicole I can provide. <laughs> right. Nicole, just slap him. I know. <laughs> just censor out people's faces. When we're, when we're talking about the deer cast track uh, stuff that you guys are developing, it is amazing. It's a game changer. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that I get a ton of inquiries and calls from friends and people that I know saying, hey, I hit this deer. What do you think? So to to bring that to, you know, on a public platform like you are is going to be you know so helpful for so many people Mm -hmm. and and really make them make the right decisions instead of being acting on emotion or Mm -hmm. adrenaline and just going out there and messing things up so um it's going to be definitely a game changer and nicole said right away when we're talking about this uh the deer track stuff um she's like you should send them uh the video of moses the this giant deer I shot in Wisconsin that, you know, of course, when you got everything on video, you, you know, sometimes the shot looks good on video and it really wasn't because of just being a quarter in a way. And I got a deflection from the arrow trajectory too, but, um, that's kind of one of the most infamous shots that I've ever made that, you know, a lot of, and I aired it too. And I showed people the reality of, Hey, 
just because you think you make a good shot sometimes uh, it and it looked good still wasn't good enough to shoot you know harvest the deer mm-hmm. i remember that deer Woo, that was a giant buddy it still haunts him to this yeah. day <laughs> they, they ended up uh the cool part there was an ending part of the story because the get the guy there was a guy that harvested the deer a couple months later after i shot him and he showed back up on trail camera so we knew that he survived my shot um but then we got to really kind of dissect him and and do a basic autopsy on him and you know, cut them open and see what exactly happened with my arrow. And that arrow, when it went in behind the shoulder, it hit, he was a big mature deer that had super big, heavy ribs. Mm-hmm. And instead of that, that broadhead, and I was shooting a fixed blade broadhead, um, and instead of that broadhead punching through that rib, I, it was just like when you shoot through the woods and you catch a deflection, that arrow completely quickly turned and changed uh trajectory and glided up underneath his shoulder blade along the rib cage rib cage and then went up under his shoulder and into his probably base of his neck and as he ran off kind of quartering away the arrow was all the way up to the fletching almost and it looked like amazingly perfect shot and he would double lung and turns out uh it never got in the cavity so it's you know we never it. harvested yeah. him. that would be a great it, that would be a great reference within the within the app. It it's would. just crazy what can. There's no two hits alike because they, they, the arrow can just do crazy things or the broadhead once it's in there. You hear Bobby Culbertson talk about that repeatedly within mm-hmm. the app. Look at the arrow. Look at the angle because what you saw when you shot isn't necessarily what happened in terms of the final penetration because of deflections and angles and everything. And we're we're all so fortunate to be able to review and review and slow mo and play and and you know think of your average guy out there your average hunter just going off of memory and a lot of us at the, the time you, of impact out. that's when you're at peak craziness <laughs> you know yeah. it's like you really have to keep your eye on the ball so to speak and and make sure you're you got your wits about you to, to absolutely to 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 be successful. If nothing else, it might help more people frame that up once they start examining your cast track and go, you know what? I need to pay more attention right after I shot because that's where all the clues come from. If you listen to John, you listen to Bobby, they're always like, look at this, watch this, look for this, look for that. I mean, it's uh, it'll help them become better hunters and recover more deer because of those tips. And I remember the first, and I can remember vividly the first few deer I shot with, with archery tackle. And it's like, you know, dad would always be like, well, where'd you hit? You know, the first thing the camera guy always says, where'd you, where do you feel like you hit him? And mm-hmm. I, uh, uh, I have no idea. I literally blacked out. I don't, you know, yeah. and it only, it took time and it took, you know, being successful more and more and being in the woods more and more to understand like, all right, slow it down, slow your processes down. I got to right. understand and, and pay attention to what I'm doing when I squeeze the you know, the release aid here, because that's the most, obviously the most important part. But when you're young, you just don't have that wit about you or most kids don't, I yep. don't think yep. for sure. So yeah. right on. All right. Well, we should probably shut this thing down. Thank you to Bob for sending in the question. You can do the same by going juryoutdoors.com slash podcast and click the send voicemail button. Ask us a question. We'll do our best to get it answered on air. That's right. And I think we're going to try to do a follow up with these guys and, and join them on their podcast and talk about more, a little bit more about whitetails and really dive in deep. So on some tactics. And so uh, stay tuned for that in the coming days or week ahead and uh, make sure and tune into that as well. Yeah, head to deercast.com. 
it's the app on your computer. Yeah. It's really cool. It, it may be the best thing we've done of all, <laughs> honestly, putting that app on your desktop. Now you could screw off at work and you don't have to have your phone <laughs> in your hand. <laughs> I like that. Don't tell our employees that though, okay? Well, <laughs> it's just part of the job requirement at this point. I think everybody's doing it. <laughs> so, so yeah, but thanks everyone for joining us. We appreciate it. And uh, find us on the Driven Podcast coming up real soon. All right. Thanks guys for yeah, joining us. We appreciate, appreciate you guys. Thank you. Gotcha. Thanks guys. Right. Peace out.